Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com. And you want to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show, R-Y-E-N Show. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash R-Y-E-N show, Ryan show. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan show, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan show. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, what's good? Greetings from God's country. I feel like a lot of people call their part of the country God's country, but it just depends on where you are. You're like, wait a minute. God's country. He's in Wisconsin. Nope, I'm in Vermont. That's what I grew up with. I was told it was God's country. Not because I feel a closer connection to God when I'm here. It has nothing to do with religion. I don't know. I don't know why it said that. Srudy, had you heard of that growing up? You're a New England guy. Not like necessarily Vermont. I feel like when people say God's country, it just means middle of nowhere. Yeah, pretty much. You're just one with nature. It might be something about mountains and altitude, but we know that like as far as East Coast altitudes go, those aren't the OG altitudes. Those are different parts of the country. The Rockies, ever heard of them? I'm sure I've heard it about Colorado. So maybe it's just altitude, how high the mountains are closer to God, that kind of deal. Yeah, like Montana, I feel like I've heard that about. Wyoming. Yep. Yeah, the Tetons. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I think all of... uh I think it, maybe it is just simply a peaks thing, or maybe it's just wide open or whatever. That's the what air is. is fresher. Yeah, it's you know back in the East Coast, you go from hot, just hot, humid. The New York thing was weird because I couldn't always stay in New York the whole time, so I was in and out dealing with stuff and then doing some work and then uh, you know whatever. Um, saw some stand up, but we did that. We did that last. Wait a minute, that was already this week. It's Friday. Yeah, I'm that was totally on and Rosillo, right? This yeah, that was SVP and Rosillo. Comedian and how you don't think no, I want to are that try great. it? I, yeah, I don't think I don't think I want to carve out another tough career, but <laughs> add that. To I the list. would. Yeah, right. Like, hey, is there anything harder? What about Ninja? Is Ninja taken? What does that take? Like a weekend? You go to Japan? Is there like an intense thing where it's kind of like three hour classes? Is it fifty minute classes? Still three credits? No. So. I enjoyed the city, but I had a flight situation that didn't work out, and I did the drive. I drove straight from New York City, stopped in Woodstock, a uh, script that I'm working on, and then got to Burlington late. And then, so that, that, I knew I had to go to Woodstock anyway to research the script. So it didn't really jam me up that much, even though seven hours in the car, I have a theory, okay? Whatever you're used to driving that's your long drive, anything beyond it seems like hell. So in New England, there's really nothing that's more than four or five hours, unless you're doing some ridiculous main drive, okay? Because everything Boston to Burlington is three and a half. The Cape to Burlington, you know, with me, a boat, boat's an hour. I could make it from Woods Hole to Burlington in four and a half hours. Connecticut, central Connecticut to Burlington would be four hours. If I were ever going to Montreal, I've never gone Boston to Montreal. I've never gone... Uh, Connecticut to Montreal. I think I did once maybe, but that wasn't like a normal routine. 
There's New York City drives where you could go, okay, I'm in the city, and if I'm going up to Vermont, you know, five-plus hours. It took me seven because traffic was so bad. So basically seven for me was, oh, this is the worst. But then you'll talk to people in the Midwest, and they go, dude, I'll bang out 10 hours like it's nothing. Like I'll drive into Chicago from some really far away city and 10, 12-hour drives, and friends of mine that are from there, they don't even think anything of it. Iowa people, yeah, I'll, I'll drive from Iowa to Denver. What? That sounds like it sucks. No, but sim- whatever you're, it's almost like these bookends. Whatever you're used to, what you're conditioned to, that's what you think is normal. And then any hour beyond that, you then think is hell. And it's all related to where you grew up and how close everything is. It's definitely a Midwest thing too, though. I feel like people drive. Like I just saw Smallman right in Chicago, and she drove up from St. Louis. It's like five hours. Like that's a big deal. I don't know if I would drive five hours for that many people. No, you wouldn't. No, um, sorry. Smallman would because she's from St. Louis. And everybody from St. Louis is go the best. To, and they go to Chicago, though. That's what they do. Like that's what, They either take the train or they drive. I'm surprised it's, it's a, she leaves St. Louis. Uh, you know, Chicago's like her second home. After Hartford, obviously. Yeah, right. After Hartford. So, but I see, I think she probably looks at like, are you kidding? Five hours? I'll be there in five hours. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, geez, five hours, not hard pass. No, but if you if you drive into Chicago at the wrong time, that five hours could be. You're like, hey, I'm in Chicago. Great. It's only going to take two hours to get into town now. <laughs> so that's the same thing with L.A. The Vegas L.A. drive is cool. It's all right. You know, I wouldn't want to do it all the time. Maybe I've only done it once, and that's why I said cool. So yeah, I don't you think should it do it once. Cool. Everyone should do it once. Yeah, everybody should do it once, right? Vegas, baby. Um, it's just like you, the hangover. If you hit L.A. at the wrong time coming back, you're like, hey, my four-hour trip is six. So uh, one of the rare solimiter, uh I'm having a hard time with the words today. One of the rare similarities between Chicago and Los Angeles. I want to talk a little hoops. We're going to have Buster only on talking MLB trade deadline. Remember, kids, one deadline now. One real one. No longer the waiver deal. And West Texas Jake, session two of Life Advice. So that's what we have cooking. You got anything else you want to add before we really dig into the the the, the meat of this pod that we're going to do today? No, let's do it. Let's go. Okay. I want to talk to you about Bespoke Post because their box of awesome is just that. These guys didn't say, hey, let's lie to everybody. They said, let's put a bunch of awesome stuff in a box and guys will love it. I just want you to understand that as I read it because that's what happened to me. Whether it's the travel kits, the weekender bag. Because I remember when I was younger, I had like a big weekend trying to impress somebody. Staying at a fancy hotel it was a nice little deal in the city. It might have been 2009. Yeah, I think it was 2009, 10 years ago. Your buddy bought a really fancy canvas bag with leather straps because I didn't, I think I've told the story before, but I just was embarrassed. And I was like, she's going to think if I have this Under Armour gym bag, like, is this how this guy does weekends? This guy's never taken me to the hand. Yeah, you got to grow up to a men's weekend bag. Like, you, you can't you just be to. tracking a gym, a gym bag around. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Now, if you're doing a solo trip and you've got a gym bag and you have some extra stuff, okay, fine. But for those of you that want to grow up, Bespoke Post is for you. And guess what? That relationship worked out. It was amazing. All because of the bag. All because of this hardy, brown canvas, leather strap bag that said, this guy this guy doesn't go to Revere Beach for the weekend. He goes to Montauk. So let's read the ad because that felt more like a story than anything else. With their Box of Awesome, Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month. They test everything in the Box of Awesome themselves, from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Every product gets 
put through the ringer before it gets put inside a monthly box of awesome. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up. And you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Here's the deal. Here's how it works. You get 20% off. You were maybe even or down on the day. Now you're up because you go to boxofawesome.com, get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code RUSSILLO. Make sure two S's, two L's, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code RUSSILLO for 20% off your first box. I want to talk about the Anthony Davis comments with Rachel Nichols that have made the rounds. Rachel is just crushing it with the one-on-ones with the NBA guys. We have that sound, Rudy? We do. Here we go. All right. I'm just focused on this season. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, you know, I have one year here, so I'm going to make the best of this year. And when that time comes around in, you know, the summer or, you know, whenever the season's over, hopefully around, you know, mid-June, you know, after we just had this parade and, you know, I need a couple of days to think. You know, then we can, you know, talk about that with, you know, management and front office and ownership. And But until then, you know, I'm trying to do whatever I can to help this team win this year. Okay, this is LeBron 101. This is Clutch 101. I apparently am the only one that's going to be able to tell you what the hell this means and explain it to you because nobody else has been able to explain it. I haven't read it anywhere else, so, you know, I shouldn't say no one has gotten this right. But people freaking out being like, oh, my gosh, does that mean he's going to move? Probably not. Um, and again, the rule is they couldn't, as Windhorse shared with us when he came on, what, a month or so ago, it's like, hey, when you trade for him with his deal, you can't do the extension until six months later. So he couldn't even do the extension today if he wanted to with the Lakers. But I, I'm just surprised people haven't figured out the pattern here. So the pattern for LeBron all the way back to the Miami run was the shorter deal and with the opt-outs, okay? And remember, when he left Miami after four years, consensus was before the playoffs started that he would probably play one more year with that group, and then he would go back to Cleveland. And it went so bad in the playoffs against San Antonio where he's looking around. He was kind of sick of Dwayne Wade falling off and not being able to play a full season. And then he's like, you know what? Actually, I'm opting out, and that's when he went back to Cleveland. And I was on the air during that whole stuff, and I was steering you the right way. And that's that's ended up – like he ended up kind of jumping the gun and, and making that plan. But there were times in Miami where I would talk to league sources and be like, why is LeBron upset about this? He'd be like – Okay, the plan with LeBron is always to keep ownership on its toes. Shorter commitments, all the stuff you say, all the cryptic stuff. Um, there was a time where Miami didn't have the 15th guy, I think, on the roster filled out yet, and he complained about that. And I'm thinking, like, what's the point? Then he goes back to Cleveland. It's the short deals. It's never making any kind of commitment. The David Griffin, Paul George trade deal has been written about forever and that there was a deal in place for Paul George to be his teammate, some version of this with Eric Bledsoe showing up and Kyrie going out, and that's why Kyrie got really upset, and you know it took a little while for that whole thing to filter out. But all of this stuff has been written about, and I've talked to people about this stuff uh, beyond what you even read. And LeBron was told at one point, like, hey, we can get Paul George, we can do this deal, but to trade these younger pieces, you need to know that you're invested and you're here for the long term. And LeBron would not make that commitment. And for all of you that are 100% player empowerment all the time, it's nauseating and it's predictable. Like at some point, a player actually makes a decision that's selfish and ends up being wrong for him and the team. And you could argue at that point that LeBron would have been in a much better situation if he had just said, you know what? Like I will stick around another couple of years. Let's go get Paul George and let's, let's run this thing back and run the East. 
Like, there's a chance that could have happened. Granted, the rest of the East has improved dramatically in the last two years. But I think you're following me here. That was the plan. That was, like, we can do this deal. LeBron, just need just need word from you. And LeBron's like, no. And I would dig around on that. And I go, what? Why? What the hell? It's like, no. Never concede anything. Never give in. Always keep management. Always keep ownership motivated. Now, as I jump in before we get back to Anthony Davis here, which I haven't really gotten to yet, but I find that obsessive, excessive, however you want to phrase it. Because I'd like to think most owners would rather win. And when you get to spend 90% of the cap anyway, it, it rarely, yeah, guys can find different ways to be cheap. And there are tax teams and there are non-tax teams and all those different things. But do you think the Lakers don't want to win a title? Do you think Palenka is going to screw this up? Do you think David Griffin is going, you know what? Here's a trade that could help us. Well, LeBron signed a longer deal, so I'll probably just not do the thing that will help us. Dan Gilbert, who has spent as much as anybody in this league for over a decade. Eh, I don't know. It kind of felt like being cheap this week. Oh, that's right. LeBron has an opt-out. Okay, let's do a good trade then. Yeah, let's not do the bad one. Let's do the good trade. And by the way, Gilbert ended up doing bad trades that cost a lot of money just to try to convince LeBron that he was invested the whole time. And a lot of those those contracts are still, well, not George Hill's no longer there, but you get the point. Okay, so Anthony Davis, as much as he's one of my favorite players I've ever seen, I mean that. That's how special I think he is. He's a very impressionable guy. And he has been... um, I don't know if it's influence. It's just, hey, this is the crew you're rolling with now. You're with Clutch. And do the thing where you never concede. You never give in. Right? Because that's all that was. And it's not it's not some terrible thing that he did. But the difference is, is people have tried to argue with me about this. Be like, oh, you know, everybody does this. Everybody keeps their options open. Everybody. Okay, but when you hit the nuclear button with a year and a half left on your contract in the middle of New Orleans season and say, I want to get out of here, and I want to get out of here and go to one team, and I want it to be the Lakers, and the Lakers give up three players and potentially seven picks for you, and you're like, meh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how this year goes. That's not because he potentially may want to leave. It's because he's doing what LeBron did. Okay? That's it. That's all this is. It's the exact same thing. It's like, hey, you know what you do? You know, this is going to be your team down the road. Never give in. Never concede. Leave yourself out. If you want to do short deals and leave yourself options, I have no problem with that. I think it's great. Good for the player. It's awesome. Good for them. I wonder if it will pivot back to long-term commitments or if the new CBA owners would be like, you know what we should do is a homegrown deal where it's six years and then the new deal's only four, so we tack on the extra year, and there's still sign-and-trades to only four years. Because remember, they used to be able to get the full five-year extension on the sign-and-trade, and now it's only four. So they're finding little ways to do this. I wonder if they'll try to do any of those things. So if Anthony Davis wants to do all short-term deals, if he wants to leave himself opt-outs and all that freedom, even with an injury history where I think he'd want to do the five-year deal at some point, I have no problem with any of those deals. But if I'm a Lakers fan that's like, no, 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 dude, this isn't about free agency and you just – not committing. This is a team that just gave up all of these assets for you when you said this is the only place that you wanted to play, and now you're here and you can't even say, hey, I'd like to be a Laker long-term because LeBron never did it. That's it. That's the story. That's the comment. And everyone can cite this because I just explained it for you. 
because nobody else has apparently been able to do this. I just gave myself a huge compliment. I apologize for that arrogance. Congrats. <laughs> how uh, the only my only thought would be like, how different is this? You know, from when Dwight bounced after they gave up all the assets to go get him, and he was like, yeah, after one year, didn't really like it. I'm out. Let me go to Houston. There's no version of this where LeBron is going to hate on Anthony Davis the way Kobe hated on Dwight Howard. Fair. Which now, now by the way, Dwight loves. He appreciates the fact that Kobe called him soft. Dwight is trying. Do you know I saw Dwight Howard? I think seven times in the span of a week. Saw so him in Vegas, playing, and then L.A. three different places, four different places. We didn't talk. Yeah. Hey man, what's uh? What have you been up to? So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even want to make um. You know, I don't even want to like look at that and be like, oh, now you appreciate Dwight's just trying to get a job, man. He wants to play basketball. And anybody that's trying to figure out a way to, hey, man, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do whatever you want. I understand it. I'm going to say all the right things. I'm not going to knock a guy for doing that. And can you, can you, like, I think it's great that he wants to still play basketball, right? I think it's great that he's out and about and all the stuff that he's had to deal with. I mean, it's really specific stuff that I don't know who to believe or what to believe on the Dwight stuff. Like, all of us are afraid of even getting into depth and talking about it, right? But, I respect that he's like, yeah, I'm just going to show up to parties and I'm going to go out and about. I'm not going to hide. And I want to try to find a way to have one last run of just playing some basketball. I don't know if he has that in him. I don't ever really agree with um, too many of the quotes that I hear him saying, but I just, I just see somebody who's trying to salvage the end of this. So I, I actually respect that part of it. But yeah, it's really weird. I've seen him that many times, but I don't know that we have a lot of common things to talk about. Like, Hey, uh, Finish this Washington bio. He used to buy a ton of stuff from England. Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm, no. Dwight no. just bums me out in general, obviously. Yeah, the basketball part of it's brutal. Brutal. So I don't uh I'm it's it's way too early for me to say Oh yeah, that you know there could be some similarities there because I think the Kobe Dwight thing. Dwight's like, wait a minute, I'm kind of used to being the man, and like this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go to L.A. He obviously more so than other guys thought he was going to be an actor, and you know he's going to be doing all these things. You go, you know what? Like you're probably not going to get cast for Inception, dude. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> not even no. Space Jam two now. Bummer. Yeah, not e- well. You never know. I think we know. Probably so. The only thing I would tell you to say as far as keeping an open mind, because I'm not guaranteeing like Dwight, or Dwight, Anthony Davis, I never want to do that again. Anthony Davis is staying with the Lakers. It's just that this is different. This is very different than just a random guy being like, hey, I don't want to really tell you what I'm thinking before free agency. I want to be vague about it. But no, you got the thing you wanted and you couldn't even make a comment. Like, this is where I want to be. We'll see what happens. Because even though he's a rock star of a basketball player and he's been in the spotlight now for a long time, going back to the end of high school and Kentucky and that run, and he's such a great basketball player. I think there are guys that are kind of the leaders who see the world one way and they don't want to be told they're almost too stubborn. You know, they're, they're so stuck in their ways. They can't be, um, Swayed. They, there's no way they're impressionable to anybody. Where I think Anthony Davis, I'm not calling him like a follower, but I'm sure when LeBron's like, hey, young buck, do it this way. And Clutch is like, hey, sign with us, do it this way. Hey, Clutch got him to LA. You know, they got him what they want. They're going to get him the money. They're going to get him more endorsements. They're going to figure this whole thing out. 
He waived his trade kicker after people said that he wasn't going to give away $4 million free dollars. And guess what? He waived it. And they still didn't get Kawhi. So, you know, have fun with that mystery. But it's very clear that that's just what Davis is doing because he's the next thing and he'll inherit this whole Lakers thing once LeBron, you know, moves on. So, well, that could be, it could be two years. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they figure this whole thing out and it keeps running. I just, I'm surprised nobody else has been able to figure that out. Is my, have you heard anybody else say that, Surdy? I, I could have missed it somewhere along the way, but I'm just no, but surprised it, that no one's connected those dots because it's so freaking obvious. And it's the truth. It's exactly what it is. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I just think it's part of it is just summer content, man. People are looking to stir some stuff up. And, you know, it's like, a, hey, if you, what would it take for him to not be in L.A. next year? You know, and I think that becomes a topic. Okay. Now, I'm not guaranteeing. I'm just making sure that, you know, if a year from now he signs somewhere else. I'm telling you why the comment is wrong, but why it's happening. But there are other teams, and I'm telling you this right now because I've talked to them, that are like, well, what if LeBron gets hurt? And they stink. And he decides, you know what? Actually, I don't like it out here. Yeah, but I so There's other talk, teams that aren't giving up. Is, we talked is my about point. this with Will um, because, you know, he was kind of interested in that. And there were obviously all the quotes that are flying around about it. But. My thing to him was, this is all on LeBron. Like, if if AD doesn't stay in LA, it's be, it's because of LeBron one way or another. Whether it's injury, personality, it doesn't work out. Like they have a falling out. Like it's it's not. I, I just I can't see any other reason why he would leave other than like I just don't really like being around LeBron. Yeah, and I don't I don't think that's really the case. I think LeBron's going to be more respectful of him. Yeah, and I don't um, I don't think he won't be. I just that that would be that would be the way I would see it if he didn't resign. Yeah, the diminishing star thing, and it's not really even happened to LeBron. I mean, believe it or not, it's actually going to happen. At one point, he will be out there, and you know, he's still so good that he's going to figure out a way to produce. He just is. Like, I don't want to see the end of LeBron because I've enjoyed peak LeBron so much, and this isn't peak LeBron. I mean, those Miami years are peak LeBron, but and that 2016 Finals, but. I would think he's going to be treating Davis a little bit better on a missed defensive situation than he would treat Tristan Thompson. That that would be my guess. So uh, there you go. Real quick on uh, maybe I should do a longer segment on this because it's it's kind of important. It's happened here as I've heard so much. Like the Westbrook Harden thing happened, and then there was a gap in content week, and then it became official. So it felt like that got a lot of discussion. And I talked about it like four different times on get up and Jalen and Jacoby wasn't when, you know, when I was doing the shows out of the seaport studio, but Chris Paul and James Harden worked. The failing grades that people want to give out on things in sports that didn't produce a championship are really dumb. Like life isn't that stringent. Chris Paul Harden worked. I've heard a lot of talk about the Alabama coaching turnover. You know, Saban, hey, how come you guys... They they got smashed by Clemson. That doesn't happen in Nick Saban teams. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Why'd it happen? I I just think Clemson's good. I think that game kind of got ugly and like all of a sudden it's a mess. Do I think Clemson's that much better than Alabama was last year? I don't. I just think it's one of those games where Clemson's like, man, we're going to roll these dudes mistake after mistake and two is having all these problems and then it just... It looks like a big, ugly score. Uh, I'm not saying I'd pick Alabama in the rematch, but I, I don't think it's that big of a gap. But then you go, okay, wait a minute. Saban had all those cur- coaching turnover. He talked about guys looking at the next thing, and it's like, wait a minute, Saban making excuses? Or maybe Saban's just answering a question. But this Alabama staff has had a ton of coaching turnover. Guess what? It's worked. Coaching turnover 
for Alabama has been successful. So, you know, if they go seven and five with a new staff, then we can talk about it not working. The Dodgers, we're going to talk some baseball buster only here in a second. The Dodgers, their acquisitions, everything they try to do, you can say, oh, they didn't win with Manny Machado. They've been to two World Series and they've lost both. The way they go about putting their team together works. It's not a failure. And we do this constantly. Like, oh, they traded for this guy. Didn't win a title. What's up with that coach? I won like 500 games. A couple conference championships. He recruited that new guy. Now he transferred. Didn't win the didn't win the conference that year. So I don't I don't know why we do it that way, but it, it seems to be the way we do it. I love the baseball trade deadline. Do you believe it, Srudy? I, I being around you, I you love baseball. I know you do. Big baseball guy. Um, we're going to talk with Buster only because I've been keeping track of all the hot rumors. A lot of starters out there. Not many position guys. And for those that don't believe me, I spent an entire offseason waiting on the bottom line to see if Cliff Floyd was tendered. And then Cliff also, Floyd, yes, there was another one, 2002, where I think it's the first time I signed up for Insider. I couldn't even afford Insider. Or maybe I had somebody's Insider pass. That might have been it. Sorry. That would have been Crystal. pretty bleak because Insider's not terribly expensive. At least I couldn't afford day. it. I couldn't afford it. Two bucks a month, I think. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Two bucks a month. That was going to yeah, cut can't in. Really do it? Nope. That may have been running me a little too thin. One percent of my net worth at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what sucks more than being broke? Losing your hair. Well, two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. Some earlier. Introducing Keeps, the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products, this is just a nasty, mean read. This is the first time I'm reading this, and they gave me this one? Like all the things I could have done? (sighs) These FDA-approved products used to cost so much. Trust me, they did. But now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to obtain. For five minutes now and starting at just $10 a month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. This is like my ex-girlfriend making out in front of me at her wedding, and I'm not even bartending at it. I'm bussing at it. Getting started is super easy, and signing up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few simple questions and snap some photos to complete your online doctor consultation. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. Then it ships right to your door every three months. Keeps offers generic versions of the only Two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but never. For this price, Keeps treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Some men do experience hair regrowth. Wait a minute, Srudy, there's still a chance. And at best, men will get back up to 20% of the hair they lost. I'm starting to do some math here. I don't think that's going to be enough to cover it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I didn't need you to agree with that. No, I know. I'm just, you know, but I, honestly, though, right. if you had hair again, it'd be weird. That's right. what I've heard. Yeah. yeah people are like, yeah. no, we'd like you better. You're too like far this. gone. But for guys that aren't too far gone. Yeah. Keeps. There's still a chance for you. Run to the light. Only 10 to $35 a month. Plus now you get your first month free. One hell of a deal for keeping your hair. There's even a part in the script where I could say one hell of a deal for keeping my hair. 
If you suffer from hair loss, the last thing you need to do is wait to see a doctor. With Keeps, there's finally a way to get the help you need when you need it. For a limited time, receive your first month of treatment for free. Go to Keeps.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's Keeps.com slash Ryan. Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ryan. Okay, joining us now from all of our great baseball coverage guy I've known a long time, it's Buster Only. Buster, a bunch of stuff I want to get to here. Now that we have like a new and improved trade deadline, which I'm really excited about, uh, let's start with the Giants. The Giants felt like sellers. Everybody's kind of wondering, like, who is Madison Bumgarner? What would he mean to a team? Change of location, some relievers that people like as well. But now they're winning games. So what's San Francisco going to do? <laughs> Bahad Zaidi's in his first year running baseball ops for the Giants, and his head might be exploding today, right? Because for, <laughs> for like two months... Uh, the, the full expectation in the industry, Ryan, was that they were absolutely going to be sellers. And not only do they have Madison Baumgartner to sell, but they got about five guys in their bullpen that are drawing interest from other teams. You know, Will Smith and Tony Watson and Sam Dyson and Maranta, on and on and on. Mark Melanson. Uh, but now with this late burst they've had, you know, they've won, what, uh, six in a row. They've won 13 to 16. And as you and I talk, they're just one game under 500. Uh, and if you look at the standings, they're two and a half games out in the wild card, but you need the full context on that. There are nine teams in the National League that are within four and a half games of each other in the wild card race, and their chances, according to Fangraphs, of making the playoffs are around three and a half percent. And so on one side of the ledger, the math side, it would say, yes, of course you're selling Bumgarner and the relievers. And on the other side, the sentimental side, you probably have owners of the Giants, minority owners, saying, wait a second, we were underdogs in 2014, we're underdogs in 2012, and we won the World Series. And it's Bruce Bochy's last year Hall of Fame manager uh, retiring after the season. We have to play it out for him. So it's a tremendous quandary. I, I do think that if they continue to win here the next three or four days, then they probably would be more likely to hang on to these guys. Just keep Bumgarner through the end of the year. Take the draft pick compensation rather than sell them because it, uh, it's, it's very difficult, the idea of pulling the rug out from underneath this team when they're playing so well. Yeah, and then at the other time, like I think of this front office and go, maybe they are looking at the math going, okay, are we actually good, though? Like, Would it be a mistake to not see? Because when I think of Bumgarner, he's such a unique um Unique pitcher in that I don't know if Schilling is the best comp, but like it's just considering what he's done. And, and granted, this is years ago, but he, he doesn't. He's never thought of as like the day to day. Hey, that's the number one guy. But I'm sure there's other teams thinking if they just get him in and this kind of stretch run that maybe they get a different version of him. So what are the evaluators that are going out and watching his starts this year? What are they saying about what his value is in the market? And it's fascinating because early in the year, a lot of teams that I talked with poo-pooed him. And they were like, man, his fastball velocity is just not the same. He's getting, he's getting crushed at 29. All the mileage is catching up with him. But what we've seen in recent weeks is, and, and for lack of a better way to describe it, he's going through the CC Sabathia transformation. Like he's figuring out, you know what? I need to throw more off-speed pitches. Uh, to make my fastball better. And in that start against the Mets, nine innings, one run on Thursday night, he threw 65% off-speed pitches. It made his fastball better. And here's the other part, and I've heard this from uh, from managers, I've heard it from coaches about Bumgarner, is you have to remember that once he gets into the postseason, you add that dollop of adrenaline, which he's demonstrated he has. And maybe the best comp, to your point about Schilling, last year, Cole Hamels, 
you know, had a, he was really struggling for Texas. He didn't look very good. Uh, evaluators are looking at the numbers and saying, you know, it's not very good. You put him on the Cubs in a postseason run, and all of a sudden he was a completely different pitcher. And his name has been raised to me by some of the people. The field level, like you get Bumgarner into a pennant race, you're going to see something different. Is Verlander a good comp for that? Because it felt like, you know, as the Verlander market was getting going a couple years ago in Detroit, and I remember talking to you about it. It's like, okay, what are people seeing? And they go, you know, they think this this is like on the other side of the hill. And yep. then he, he turns in this Houston run, which is remarkable. So I don't – I'm just always a little hesitant. And I know I'm not as – you know, I'm not even suggesting I'm as locked in as any of you guys are. But I just feel like guys that have this pedigree that aren't really old – it gets always. It feels like a better bet than maybe people want to say, and and I don't know. I feel like there are more examples of the guy that's had an incredible resume reviving it a little bit more than maybe some of the scouts and what they're seeing in a May game with a team that has no chance. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, and I think that if in fact the Giants wind up selling him, that they're going to do better than what evaluators expected in May uh, because of his recent performance. And this is the one time of year when small sample size can make a difference. And so if you're the Astros and, and, you know, they just saw, as you said, they just saw what Verlander did for them a couple of years ago. If you're the Atlanta Braves, if you're the Yankees and you're seeing this, uh, transformation of him in recent weeks, I think you bet on the resume in a way that maybe you didn't back in May. Okay. I know I spent more time on the Giants. I just love the Madison Bumgarner angle on this whole thing. And then the Giants complications. So let's look in that division. Then the Dodgers, they continue to roll here. They look at times like the best team in baseball. They've had that record for uh, most of the season. They get three guys back that are hurt all in the same day last week, and yet it still feels like an incomplete team. Like, what are the Dodgers doing? Yeah, an unbelievable lineup, in tremendous ro- uh, roster depth, a great rotation. They have excellent defense. That team is so motivated when you're around them. Rich Hale telling me early in the year that the players were pissed off when they lost the World Series in, two- uh, in 2018 after losing it in 2017. So they've done everything possible. Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, Jock Peters and others making adjustments to get better. But they have potential issues in the seventh and eighth inning, which is why, to me, it's going to be a fascinating decision for a numbers-driven uh, Andrew Friedman, who's done made great decisions. But as he looks at this team, they're running away with the National League West. They don't have to add anything. But like Theo Epstein adding a role as Chapman in 2016, and Theo said at the time, this is a trade made to win the World Series. Andrew Friedman's going to have to make the choice. Do I pay big for a Brad Hand of the Indians, for Felipe Vasquez of the Pittsburgh Pirates to get that finishing piece to try to win the World Series. Okay, Cleveland, sort of in it. It's remarkable when you think about what this rotation is at full strength. They haven't had that. Bauer's start last night was really good. He's been on the block. Kluber looks like he's coming back. So if everybody were working out, we'd be talking about a potential playoff team. That's not necessarily who they've been uh, this year. So what's going on with all their different pitchers in the Bauer market? Yeah, and the fact that, you know, Carlos Carrasco uh, being treated for leukemia, Corey Kluber just starting to make his way back from an injury, it complicates their situation. The fact that they've played better of late is something they're going to evaluate. But in the last 24 hours, I talked with executives, uh, and they're split right down the middle as to whether or not they're going to sell on Trevor Bauer. Some say, you know what, they have a real chance to make the playoffs, and so the safe bet with the rotation questions is you keep Trevor Bauer. And I have others say uh, say to me, Look, it's a small market team, and you have to take advantage of value when you have it. Trevor Bauer is going to be a free agent after 2020, so you need to trade him now when his value is at its highest. I just wonder if some of the complicating factors with Trevor might impact some of the offers they're getting. Noah Syndergaard, 
we've heard the name now thrown around a bunch. There was a chance we thought, okay, this guy's going to be the next big thing. The numbers aren't great this year. I can't imagine that people are just off of him. But then you combine that with the price. Is it is it safe to say it seems unlikely that he'd be moving the next two weeks? It seems very unlikely. And I think in part because you have a first-year general manager, Brody Van Wagenen, who, of course, was an agent for a lot of years. He's trying to prove his mettle within the organization. And he convinced ownership that he could go all in this year and he could win. Uh, and look, if you trade Noah Syndergaard, you're basically blowing that up, right? Uh, you'd have to trade him for high-end, uh, you know, major league-ready players or prospects in return, and you might essentially be punting on your best chance to win in 2020. I don't think, for lack of a better way to describe it, I don't think he has the guts to do that. I don't think Jeff Wilpon, who was a driving force behind his hiring, I don't think he has the guts to do it. I think they'll go with a conservative play. What about Stroman? Is there interest there? Hundred uh, percent, and there's a full expectation that he's going to be traded. It's the right time for the Blue Jays to trade him because his value is at its highest. And look, in a year when we've talked about all the home runs, one thing Marcus Stroman does really well is keep the ball on the ground. He has a ground ball rate of about one point four to one. Uh, he's allowed only ten home runs this year, and I, you know, look at him as being potentially a perfect guy for for a contending team. Because he's demonstrated in the past, he loves the bright lights. Like he loves the spotlight. He loves the big moment. Um, you know, Long Island kid. If he goes, to, if he's the guy the Yankees wind up trading for, then in a playoff game, a World Series game, I think he would respond to that. Arizona's Robbie Ray. When you look at the strikeout comps, it's actually ridiculous. Like who he's yep. been, and that makes me wonder. Considering the age and everything, is, is this? I guess it's a broader question than I have, but I'm always surprised. Like teams that are okay, we're not good. We have this young pitcher. We like all of these things, but let's see if we can trade him anyway. Um, I don't know if that's just the obsession with some of these amazing project or excuse me, prospect packages that teams have gotten. But why would Arizona be so motivated to want to move somebody like that? Because it might be that this is the best that his trade value is going to be. And if you know Mike Hazen, who's the head of baseball ops for Arizona, he's a process driven guy. Um, and, you know, last year he, he traded Paul Goldschmidt exactly at the right time. And this might be the right time to trade Robbie Ray. But here's the thing, Ryan. I, I feel like that with all of these pitchers, one of the problems for the sellers is there's so many of those guys, like the, you know, the Trevor Bowers, uh, the Mike Miners of the Texas Rangers, Matthew Boyd of the Tigers who are out there. Um, and I don't know how many ardent buyers there are, really aggressive buyers. We know the Yankees are. We know the Astros are. I think the Atlanta Braves are. Phillies to some degree. But it feels like a great buyer's market because there's so many guys like those you just laid out. What position players do we need to pay the most attention huh. to? Man, I, I, and this is a fascinating question because, of course, uh, with all the home runs this year, then it, it really has changed the way te- uh, teams are evaluating position players. You know what? Can I, and can I remind- just jump in and expand yeah. on that? Because I know you wrote that whole piece, and that's kind of how I wanted – I want like a bigger answer from you on that one because we can sit here and look at the home run rates. It's unbelievable what this, this game has turned into. Any projector, you're like, are you serious? This is what they're going to end up with? But you wrote yep. a really in-depth piece on this and just trying to figure out what's real here. Well, and that's what general managers are struggling with. I mean, you think about a Cattell Marte, okay, uh, of the, the all-star second baseman for the Diamondbacks. When he was in the minor leagues, he was looked at as a prospect without much power. First four years in the big leagues, he had a total of 22 homers. Uh, as of Wednesday night, he had 21 homers this season. And so evaluators are saying, 
okay, is moving forward, is that who he's going to be? Is he a guy who's going to hit home runs? And I had one general manager say to me, we wonder about the baseball next year. So these guys who are uh, hitting a lot of home runs now, if the baseball is ratcheted down, if they take the juice out of it, so to speak, for 2020, does that mean that these players aren't the same? Which is why, uh, as we get close to the trade deadline, a lot of the, the teams I've talked to are, are looking at the, the next level numbers. You know, they're looking at contact rate, it's swing and miss rate. They're looking at ballpark factors. So, uh, Cattell Marte, uh, you know, how many of those home runs are in part because of the ballpark and how many are because uh, of him? And that's, it's forcing teams to go deeper in their evaluations of players because they don't know what they're seeing. And it does remind me a lot of the conversations I had with general managers during the steroid era. They looked at exploding numbers and wondered what the source actually was. Yeah, that almost felt like easier though. You just feel like, hey, this guy's this guy's bench pressing four hundred pounds on his off day now, <laughs> and uh, now like there's just skinny guys that like some of the home runs that I've seen gone. Like I remember, I think there was one, I think it was one in Houston where like Julio Lugo hit it out into the left field bleachers, and it was a broken bat. And I went, oh, okay, like this is <laughs> this is ridiculous. But I feel like I'm seeing those home runs again where guys not even squaring up on it opposite field, and it just keeps carrying. Yeah, I think it was a little different than the steroid. I remember one example of a player who signed a multi-year deal. Like, obviously can't be specific. It's not fair. I don't have any proof. But he signed a multi-year deal. And the next spring when he showed up at camp, one of the, the, the coaches that was there thought he was a bat boy. Like, he looked like a completely different guy. Uh, and his production moving forward was completely different. And the general manager privately was like, what the heck was that? I remember Steve Phillips uh, telling me, he was like pointing around the field. He was like, I think that guy's on it. I think that guy's not on it. I think that guy's on it. So it was a little bit different, but the impact and, and some of the, uh, you know, the evaluations that need to be done are kind of the same. I, I agree with you. Watching uh, the games this year, you see home runs where a guy's on his front foot, his, his butt's flying yeah. out, and he hits the ball 430 feet. And you're like, come on. Yeah, right. It's not like just raw power. It's just I can't believe the carry on this. So, okay, as as we finish up here then, give me the team, the most aggressive team as far as like, hey, mark it down. Like if anybody's going to make a big trade, it'd be this team. I know I know you guys. I hate when the sports center asks me that question too, but now I'm on the other side of it. <laughs> uh, I've heard from other executives that they fully believe that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to make a big move, uh, that they're positioned because of the depth in their roster – uh, you know, they try to cite Craig Kimbrell. They try to do other things. Other teams think the Rays are going to do something. Astros absolutely are going to get a starting pitcher. That is a team that could win the World Series, but they've taken a lot of hits at the back end of their rotation. The Yankees, Brian Cashman, in recent days has sort of been posturing, well, we, we, we could go with Luis Severino later in the year. We think he's going to be back. Uh, Davey Garcia, our top prospect, he could give us something. Forget it, right? We know that when we get close to the deadline, the Yankees are going to be the Yankees, and they're going to do something, and they're going to wind up with one of these guys, you know, whether it is a Bumgarner or a Stroman or a Trevor Bauer. Okay, and we can check you out on your podcast. Yeah, Baseball Tonight podcast that runs daily uh, on ESPN. And uh, this week I've had a lot of fun doing interviews with Alex Rodriguez about the Hall of Famers. He played with three of four. So, Ryan, I always enjoy talking with you, and thanks for having me. Also, make sure you check out another podcast, the Woj Pod, and also the Low Post and the Hoop Collective, so all that NBA stuff. Woj will probably just have a bunch of GMs. We're trying, but now I feel like if Woj calls for a GM and I call for a GM, guess who's getting them on the podcast first? Don't answer right away. (laughs) Don't answer right away. 
Okay. He's loaded, we, uh, I mean, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with it. We did a baseball trade deadline segment today, so check that out. Woj used to write about baseball. Did you know that? He was like a good baseball player, too, growing up. He used to write about baseball? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's out there. It's all out there. Yeah. I wonder if he could break a baseball story. If you gave Woj a week, just put him in a room. I don't know. I don't know if he would want to do that. Schefter tried to do that with the Durant thing three years ago. Remember that? Yeah, he's, he getting, into, like, he's getting into hoops, though. He's doing sideline stuff, right? Like, you know, Schefter's got, you know, he likes basketball. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't like basketball. but No, but he's, he's like just, in the biz now. He's doing he's doing sideline. I think he's even opining yeah. on Twitter about it. What, about doing sideline? No, about like, you know, just hoop stuff. Love it. That's great. What's going on with you, man? You got any vacations coming up? You're, you're a traveling kind of guy. Well, you know, yeah, so we go to the Cape pretty much every year. What's up? Um, problem is there's a huge shark issue now, so yeah. we're a little bit nervous about that. Like, just tons of great white sharks hanging around. Uh, so it's a little less fun, and then beaches get closed, so we got to figure that out situation out. But the plan was to go to the Cape. Actually, we're going to hit up the vineyard, too, I think, if you're around. What's up? When? Uh, August, early August. Are you guys going to go to Nantucket at all or no? Yeah, probably that too. All right. Let me know about the Nantucket thing. I can take care of you. I could probably take care of you more on Nantucket than I can the Vineyard. <laughs> no, nah, it's cool. I'll call Field for that. <laughs> Actually, you do want to call. Speaking of Schefter, those two guys. I got a text from McShay because McShay and I always do the, okay, as soon as you're done with work and you have your July run, because that's what he does. He does this nice July run. I go, can we finally get together? We've had really close call, canceled flights. Something on his end once, something on my end. And McShay's the worst texter, I think, out of the entire group. He's bad. Guys. I mean, yeah, I, he's I, the worst. As someone who just texts him to come on, even your show, he yeah. he's pretty sketchy at getting back to me. Nope, he's the worst texter out of uh out of the group. And I don't even know, like, if we're doing sort of that circles overlapping groups, we're talking all sorts of different groups, he's he'd be a number one seed in any of the different groups. As far as my history with him. Maybe it's like, you know, McShade like opens up to a guy's like, you know who I've never really liked that much? Rosillo. <laughs> His producer hits me up. Not that I didn't do it. I don't really want to do up. the show. Yeah. So I'm in New York City and I'm trying to put together the plans for this weekend. And it's, uh, it was a really quick, like, the New York thing was from the minute I was there to the minute I was leaving, I had stuff I had to do. So I was kind of looking forward to be like, all right, what's the next move? Send McShay a text. I go, what do you think about me shooting over there from the city now? And didn't get a response right away. And then the text comes in and goes, well, a lot of kids. (laughs) (laughs) I said something like, hey, what's going on out there? And he goes, well, a lot of kids. And uh, then the next text was, I'm not saying don't come. I'm just saying, you know. Dot, dot, yeah, but dot. you're great with kids, you know? I love kids, but I don't know if I want to do the Nantucket kid thing. So I was like, this says, this translates as a no, is the way I'm reading it, to be yeah, honest with you. It's kind of, so, yeah, you know, he doesn't want to tell you directly, but yeah. He I doesn't would, want to I say no, you. but yeah, this this feels like a no. <laughs> Maybe next year. Okay, this is our second session with 
Jake from West Texas. Before we do that, life advice. This summer, the best way to discover new wines you're guaranteed to love is with First Leaf, the wine club we've been telling you about that uses your feedback to curate wine selections to your unique taste. It's almost like the streaming device where you're watching shows. Like, hey, I love reenactments of the West being settled. Yes, I'll watch that. That's what First Leaf does for your wine taste. Whether you're an entertaining company or enjoying a warm summer night at home, First Leaf makes buying great wine easy. By rating the wines you receive, First Leaf determines your likes and dislikes, and they only send you wines you'll love. So if you're like, hey, you know what? I am more of a Pinot guy. I'm learning that as I get older. Then they're going to send you some stuff. It's going to be dry. It's going to be bountiful, flavorful. All that stuff's going to because you're like, you know what? Am I a steel Chardonnay guy or am I an oak barrel Chardonnay guy? First Leaf's going to let you, they're going to help you with that decision and then let you know, you know what? You're going to, you're going to like the steel, cleaner finish. I started by taking the First Leaf wine quiz to assess my exact wine drinking preferences from sweetness to wine styles to even how adventurous I am and trying new wines. They learned all about what I like. First Leaf then created an introductory six pack of wine for me, all for just twenty nine ninety five. That's nuts because two bottles, maybe one good bottle. I'm not talking like crazy good, but you spend thirty bucks on a good bottle of wine, they're going to send you six of them. Seriously, in an introductory six pack of wine for only twenty nine ninety five, these wines normally go for at least twenty dollars a piece. When my bottles arrived, I tasted and rated them online. It was so much fun. I was like, "Hey, everyone, I'm rating my wines." First Leaf took my ratings and selected new wines based on my taste for my next shipment. My curated shipments just keep getting better. Try First Leaf Wine Club today, where buying great wine is simple. Sign up with my link, and you'll get an exclusive intro offer. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95, plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Rusillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95, plus free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash Rusillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. Okay, you remember Jake, uh, West Texas Jake Rancher? Uh, scheduled to graduate early in December. Um, trying to figure out the career path, grad school, maybe be an athletic director after he does some coaching. He says ranching's a lot harder than the commercials, which I agreed with. And we also found out he's not always ranked the hottest guy in his group, but sometimes, which I thought was a positive, uh, but maybe a little too picky with girls. Did I get any of that wrong, Jake? It's good to catch up with you again. I just wanted to reintroduce you to our audience. Oh, that's definitely all correct. Okay, sounds good. So it was two months ago when we last talked, and I gave you a homework assignment, what, to research grad school a little bit more, to maybe go out on a date with somebody that maybe you wouldn't always go out on a date with, and then to also see if there was anyone in the athletic department field, or at least just who's someone who's been an athletic director or something like that, to just reach out to as a resource. So how did you do with the homework in these last two months? Uh, got all three done. So that was, that was positive. The the grad school just found it was a lot cheaper to just go to a smaller D2 school and just do it online than go, you know, big D1, fancy stuff, all that. So you're going to probably not go to Austin? No. So little, well, it's expensive living there, too, on top of that. Yeah. yeah kind of have to factor you. that in, so. So you're going to stay working. You're still graduating in December, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So you'll keep working and then what, do the online stuff at night? Yeah, that's probably how it's going to be or do a lot of it in the in the summer, or at least the month of June. 
because once July starts, basically football starts. Are you working full-time now on the ranch? Uh, no, actually, I got on staff where I'm student teaching. Oh, nice. So, yeah, they're learning all the ropes and everything. So pretty much, like, I'm, we're having meetings and stuff this week, next week, next week after that, and then uh, camp starts. So, Okay, so you're going pretty, to be pretty busy. You're student teaching, but you're also going to be coaching. So actually, why don't you just... I feel like I'm not doing the best job of teeing up all these things. Tell us about the changes then, the things that have changed since we last talked to you and you just taking any direction you want to go to because it sounds like we've had some really great developments here. Yeah, so the two months ago, see, I was doing observations in San Angelo and then I went to the big, there's one 6A school in San Angelo and I went and basically just helped out with spring ball over there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, learned how big school works, operates. We ran a spread, you know, all the sexy stuff that Oregon does. That's basically what I got to learn over there and then made good good contacts and then got my student teaching assignment, which is at a smaller school, and just basically asked if I could be on staff as a, basically a volunteer, uh, just to get a full season under my belt before anything else happens. Okay, so that's the plan. So is that going to take you through December then, student teaching and coaching mm-hmm. during the season? Yes, sir. Yeah. And then depending on how far playoff goes and all that kind of stuff. Could be done with football in December, but probably going to be mid-November. And then just student teach until I graduate. You know what, though? Keep thinking you're going to win a state title. Don't. We may want to edit that out. Yeah. I don't know don't. if that's good. Yeah, but you don't want to say in the that. back office. Back office. What's going Sorry. on? Uh, we had kids walking through. Oh, <laughs> you're going to be a stern teacher, apparently. Um, well, we're in the field house, so kids just <laughs> Are you go. at school right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about um, let's talk about the dating thing because it, it Sarudi and I came to the conclusion that you were picky, but you were aware that you were picky, so that was good. And you had some situations where a lot of people were getting engaged, people that you'd used to date already were getting engaged. There was a lot of this stuff flying around. You didn't seem like you wanted to get married right away, but you didn't seem real happy with your current dating situation. So update us on everything that's gone on there the last couple months. I went on a couple dates with a couple different people just to kind of go on dates and just see what's out there, you know. Uh, Nothing really is going to last yet, but I'm not worried about it. I'm only 21 years old. And then with coaching and stuff, you're, you're pretty stinking busy. So you don't really have time anyways. Yeah. See, I went back and listened to when we talked and something jumped out. I feel like you sound like a tough guy to read to begin with. Okay. Like, is that fair to say you're not too high, too low most of the time? Like, are you pretty even personality? Pretty. Yeah. Pretty even keeled. Yeah, that's that's the sense I've gotten here. Um, and re- I went back and listened to it. But there, there, whenever you talk about the dating thing, though, there's a hint of, I don't want to say despair, because you're right. Like, if you started really worrying about it at 21, I'd be mad at you. I wouldn't be helpful. I'd be like, you just nailed it. You're like, hey, I'm 21. Like, who cares? I'm not going to worry about it. Everybody that's in your that's mid to early 20s, like, 
Well, most of the stuff you think you have to worry about, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. It just isn't. And it's impossible to know that in the moment. I'm telling you right now, most of it, most of the stuff is not a big deal. You're going to forget the stuff that bothers you day to day quicker than you can even imagine. But there seems to be, is there like a little frustration? Has it gone that poorly for that long? I mean, did you not enjoy any of the dating over these last two months? I mean, just think there's some guys that can't even get a date, you know? Not that I want to compare you to the the worst tiers out there. You shouldn't be doing that. But uh, I don't know. You just it's I don't know if it's frustration or what, but there's just something in your voice that seems to be I can't really describe it. I don't know if it's annoyance, despair, being sad about it, being annoyed. I don't know. Help me out with that. Uh, I'd say it's kind of an an annoyance thing, I guess. It's just Yeah, okay. And then like I guess maturity on top of that sometimes like some kids my age haven't really grown up yet. I'm like, this is not, you're not 17, 18 years old. You're 21, 23 years old. Kind of act like it, you know, but that's just a few cases. Otherwise, uh, just sitting and waiting pretty much. Have you ever thought of maybe, okay, so what are we talking about? You going out with a 21 year old girl and maybe she's got some friends and they're doing shots and they're, they're dancing to Beyonce and taking Instagram photos and it's annoying you? Uh, well, I'd rather just have a, well, sometimes friends get in the way for sure, but that, that just happens anyways. It's more of just an, uh, shoot. I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of a, I'm basically like a 45 year old person, even though I'm 21 <laughs> years old. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm starting like to, figure this out a little bit more it, it this part might be on you nobody ever likes hearing that but i think all the things that i've liked about you here at 21 and you know we read that first email and then sarudi and i after we talked to you that first time we did a little bit on the segment on our own we're, we're like man that guy like, actually really has his stuff together and it wasn't just hey i want to go to grad school and party it was me ask you were asking us really important questions but you know not every 21 year old on the dating scene like they're not going to appreciate the things about you that are mature. They're not going to understand it. Some may, most won't. And it might be up to you. This isn't even about standards or good looking or not good looking. It might be up to you to just relax a little bit in some of this stuff. And and are you are you capable of that? Are you capable of just relaxing and be like, hey, you know what? If, if somebody who I'm hanging out with is a little immature, like it might be up to you to be a little bit more accepting of the fact that other people aren't going to be as wired as you are as far as the decisions that you're like everything about you that's a positive is awesome, but sometimes holding other people of those standards around you can drive yourself crazy when you could just relax about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Now that you put it into words for me, kind of just to pull back on the reins a little bit. Cause Phil Jackson, not that I'm a huge, like quoting Phil Jackson guy, but he had said to Kobe, like, you got to stop killing your teammates. And Kobe was like, these guys don't work as hard. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't do all these different things. And he was like, yeah, but Kobe, like, their 10 effort is your 6. <laughs> they don't know that there's another level. That's their 10. And you're holding them to be the standard of your 10, which nobody else has, and that's why you're great. And I know with work at times, not that I'm a 10 as a talk show host, but my work ethic has always been a 10. And when I was working with guys that were like a six or seven mail it in guys, I used to go crazy about it. 
you know, I'd be like, why is this person not more invested in all these things? And they just go, look, that's, they're giving max effort because that's their max effort. Their max effort is going to be the same as you. So I've done this long analogy thing and, and I, I don't want to bum you out. I hope I'm not bumming you out at all. I think you're probably too tough for that, but you might have to just go, Hey, until I'm older, like I'm 21, I'm going to be interacting. Like you don't want to start dating 30 year old women just because they're really impressed with the fact that you have a part time job and a full time job and you're taking classes online. Like that's not going to impress the 21 year old as much as somebody older. Maybe, maybe this is the point. Maybe you should just date older women, Jake. Have you thought of that? Um, it's on the table. If they paid for college. It's definitely on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, just when I think I figured you out, you surprised me. Okay, so <laughs> did you reach out to anybody that's worked as an athletic director? Yeah, I did. And uh, they said, go get the master's when you're young, because even if you don't get an AD job until you're 45, you don't have to worry about going back to school when eventually one day you're going to be married and you're going to have children and you're going to have car payments and all that mess. Just get it early, and it'll pay off 20 years down the road. Great advice. Um, I love that advice. So, Rudy, do you want to jump in here at all? Because you're actually reading. I don't want to say that this surprised me, but going back and listening to your wrap-up of it, you're really good at it. So, um, so Rudy might be able to help out more because he's younger. Well, I feel like the, you know, when I was younger, not necessarily in my 20s early 20s but maybe even i was in like late high school or whatever i remember i couldn't i couldn't wait to like you know be an adult right you're like oh man i can't wait to like be married and have a job and start a family blah 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 blah. and then like i think you sort of miss out on a lot of things that you go through life and a lot of the fun times that you have so like i know that you have sort of like an older soul and i think i did as well but i do think that you know you don't want to sort of miss the times you're at now because i feel like when you get to 30 you're gonna be like man like i have all these things and they're great but you know, I kind of wish I still was able to be a kid for a while. So I don't think you need to try to jump ahead too fast because you're going to miss those times eventually in your life, even if you don't feel like you miss them right now. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So what's the rest of the summer entail? What uh, what other stuff do we have to work on here? Because it sounds like you've made a decision on the master's program. You're going to do it online. You're going to save the money. Your student teaching. So, you know, all like there's part of me that almost wants you to go to Austin and, you know, maybe get exposed to a few more things. But I can't, I can't say that that's the better idea than you being totally responsible about, okay, this is, I'm going to save money in the online thing. I'm already going to be student teaching. I'm already going to be coaching. You're going to be doing the things you want to be doing in the year you're 21, 22 years old. And that is so far ahead of the game. You have no idea. And it's also going to allow you to kind of adjust at an earlier age to know, okay, is this exactly what I want to do or is there some pivot, some version of this that maybe is more interesting to me? So I know we all, like, it, I'm just I'm just very impressed with you. I actually don't know that you need my help all that much other than I think you need to relax when you're talking to girls. <laughs> well, if that's all I got to do, I guess I'm not doing too bad. You are. I don't uh, – this is <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to sit here and start giving you all these tips and telling you to do this and this. I wish I were as responsible as you, and I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong. But you said, like, do all your friends like you, Jake? Is everybody, you know, do you have a, a sense of like how your friends feel about you? Is there anyone in the town yeah. that doesn't like you? Is there anybody in the town that wants to beat you up or anything like that? Um, I'm sure there is. 
But for what? I'm not, I'm not friends with them. It's, I guess I get a little mouthy at times, and I'll just <laughs> Wes. <laughs> Maybe you're being too respectful to me. I'm not sure. Okay, here's here's the other thing we're gonna do because I do like you. So I hope I'm not whiffing on this. I hope we don't find out from people down the road. Be like, you know who that kid Jake? He actually sucks. Everybody in town hates him. Um, I don't believe that that's true because you just seem to the way you've been brought up. I'm just gonna make a, a guess here that you've just been brought up the right way and you're gonna figure some things out. Um, so Rudy, remind me of this next week because I don't want to do it on Friday night when the podcast comes out because I'll get lost in the wash of the weekend. I'm going to tweet out your profile. Do you, are you on Twitter? Are you even on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Okay. Tweet at me, say what's up, and then I'm going to quote tweet it and say, can Jake reach out to any of you guys that are athletic directors or whatever just to get some advice? Not a job, you know, but start the old networking thing here for you. So I'm going to do you that favor and... I don't know. I might just check in with you again in the fall or something to see what's going on with the dating thing. Because honestly, of all the things that you've talked about, the least important thing right now, the dating part of it, seems to be the thing you're struggling with the most. And it's not because of options, it doesn't sound like. It's just because you're you're annoyed that everybody's the same age as you but doesn't act it. And that's, you know. That's either something that won't be fixed and it's okay, or it will be fixed and be okay. Like that's not that big of an issue, man. So I'm I'm jealous of you. More than <laughs> thank you, Sarudi. I think we're good. I mean, like I said, I think you know professionally, you seem all right. You seem like you got your head on you know good head on your shoulders. I just think, as Ryan said, you need to relax a little bit. And like, there's no like I think there's no harm in just having fun. Like nothing. You know, nothing dating wise has to be like, you know, the future wife or it doesn't have to be super serious. Like you could just sort of enjoy yourself for a few years. Like, like I said, you're only you're only 21. Like, I, I don't know what the expert I know you start it, doing that. Yeah. You really screw it up. Yeah. Like, OK, what does this girl mean or what could it be? Could I have kids? But then with you person like, but, duh, yeah. And then you, you put know. a lot of pressure on yourself to like every girl has to be the one. And that's that's not true because I went through that phase. True. You're like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I can't see myself with her long term. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter if you if, in the time that you're together, you enjoy each other. Who cares? Like, don't worry about the long term ramp right now yep agreed boom sounds sounds good just let it rip just so to speak. <laughs> just let it rip yeah <laughs> yeah you sound like you use a vacation i'm not gonna lie um but you know i i know those cost money so maybe we'll uh maybe yeah we'll talk vacation about would be nice but yeah won't get one until december at least okay well look out december then uh we're gonna keep in touch with you though and we'll uh, we'll tweet that out at the beginning of next week to see maybe if I'm just going to say something nice because I, you know, be like, hey, can anybody out there for our life advice guys, anybody athletic directors or anything like that, just maybe you can ask them advice and you never know. You never know. So uh, that's what we're going to do. And I want you to enjoy the rest of the summer. All right, man. All right. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, all business Jake. Yeah. He, uh, he does not screw around. I think he's too polite to me. And even you, and he calls you. And, he calls you. You know, he says he's like, "Yes, sir," and I know. he's just very polite. And I, I think the the interesting thing is like his career situation seems to be fine. Like he has a plan. He knows where he's going. He's he he wants to potentially be an AD. He's already got a bunch of things lined up in in the meantime to get to that point. And he's getting advice from other people, you know, yourself and then other ADs. But I think the the most interesting part is like he just seems all over the place in the dating thing. Like he's just incredibly frustrated. And I don't even really understand why. 
Yeah, before we get to that, what would have been better? Like, you knew that kid was going to do it. Hey, did you do everything we asked? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's almost like a military yep, I have thing. a job. I'm student teaching. I'll be coaching, which is exactly what I said I wanted to do. Oh, and I'm going to have my master's, and I'm going to do it online. Hey, did you ask anybody for advice? Yes, I talked to an athletic director. I said, get the master's yeah. over with now. because you always. So he did everything we asked him to do. He even said, yeah, I went on a couple dates with some different people, whatever. Um, it would have been great. Like, the guys that we needed to do the life advice with, it would have been great if you're like, yeah, Rosillo, I kind of forgot. <laughs> or, yeah, I kind of back, I sort of did, like, I, t- I emailed the guy, but he never emailed me back. And, you know, so it's kind of on, that part's kind of on him more than me. <laughs> like, those are the guys I'm looking for. Yeah, Jake doesn't really need to be whipped into shape in that way. Like, he seems no. motivated. He is motivated. <laughs> it's just. I w- I want to do a life advice with a guy that's using the lies on me now that I used in my 20s. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I sent the like resume, I had, but I don't know. When I had the infamous, um, <laughs> the best day ever followed by the worst night ever, when I was fishing in Montana all day, the morning of, I couldn't sleep the night before because I the, the fishing guides hadn't gotten back to me. And they go, you know, we're going to call you the night before. They took my deposit on the credit card for this fishing guided deal, and it was solo, so it was going to be like three three hundred fifty bucks, which you know it was this amazing vacation through the mountains, and so it was so annoying because I kept waking up and going, "Are these guys going to call me? Are these guys going to call me?" So I'm waking up, you know, because I'm still in a different time zone. I'm like four a.m., four thirty, five, on, and I just got so annoyed that I was like, "Screw this! I'm packing up my car and I'm leaving now because I'm not sleeping in this hotel," and then. Um, I end up getting a call from the guys as I'm about a half an hour into Yellowstone. Now, half, half an hour, like leaving Big Sky. And the guys call me and they're like, Hey, where are you? I go, where, where am I? I go, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm driving down to Wyoming. Like, this is ridiculous. And the guy goes, well, we're paying, we're charging you for the whole thing. I go, dude, you guys never called me. And he goes, Oh no, we left you two voicemails. And I just don't. Pull the voicemail with yeah. me, <laughs> okay? Of all the people that you're going to do we left the fake voicemail with, don't do it to this guy, okay? Because you didn't. There's no missed calls. The phone was never off, and I know about the fake voicemail. And you can't even do the fake voicemail anymore. Oh, maybe you got, like you can do the text. Where I, honestly, like if you have a run of getting a million texts, there'd be texts where I'd be like, damn it. I used to just, if I didn't text you back, I saw it and didn't text you back. Now it legitimately is happening where I'll have these stretches where I have big text days but yeah we maybe we need a guy we have to find a guy that's just destroyed like maybe has no chance and the advice makes it even worse yeah somebody who's really more down on their luck necessarily than jake or somebody who is doesn't have any motivation or you know like a, like real i don't know because the dating thing we've done loser. a few times yeah you need to meet somebody who has like no life plan <laughs> whatsoever somebody doesn't like really 35. care about it that guy's too young, but you're right about the dating thing. Is the more he described it, I do think we made some progress there, though, because you know, just listening and listening, I'm going, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Like, there's a chance this could be you, and it would be the worst if we found out. Like the Frank thing was funny. You, you and Frank are actually hanging out more often, right? He just texts me every once in a while. Yeah, he listens. You know, he likes to keep me updated <laughs> on things. <laughs> Maybe you should ask Frank what he's doing for vacation. That guy might have access to a private jet, or a girl he knows does, but. Yeah, I would say Jake and and Frank seem to have the opposite problem. Those two should hang out. They're not yeah. that far away from each we other. We should get them together and be like, hey, show show each other the ways, I guess. 
Although, we really want no. to be a one-way street because it would just be like Frank taking Jake out and showing him that like not everything has to be so serious. But then Jake would be like, are you ever going to settle down, Frank? Yeah, grow up, dude. Dude, grow up. Stop <laughs> acting like a 21-year-old. West yeah. Texas Jake telling Frank he's immature. That's what I'm... Maybe I, they both see, need that could be That could be the lie, though. And I'm sorry to do this to Jake, but there's a 5% part of me that is worried he actually just does terrible with girls and he's making excuses and that it's not that he has all these options. It's that it's about him and it's not the girls. Because, again, we're only hearing his side of the story. So I'm sorry if Jake hears this, but you can understand the way my brain works. I can give no one the benefit of the doubt ever, but he just needs to, he just needs to relax. Okay, that'll do it for us live from Burlington, Vermont. I may be taping next week's here as well, Saruti, if that's okay with you. I mean, sure, yeah. All right, sounds good. Um, I had a lot of different jobs when I was up in Vermont, and they all didn't work out. But that's because I didn't have a ZipRecruiter. Because hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. The place is ZipRecruiter.com, and you want to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job as applications come in ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a good match ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day and right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-Y-E-N Show. ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan Show. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Make sure you subscribe to the Rosillo Show pod and the SVP and Rosillo Show pod. Subscribe, unsubscribe. Do it 50 times this weekend for me, big guys. And do all the rate review stuff because that's apparently the only way you can have a good podcast. I'm serious. It's ridiculous. Thank you. Bye.